The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Ruth chapter 4, verse 17. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on my Sunday sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, it's me and Reagan back in the saddle today. Last week it was you and Stephanie. Was it? I don't remember. Right? It was? Okay. Yeah, for Oh yeah, because you were at BUM. One. Okay. So I was at, yeah, doing board interviews. So it's good to see you again. Yeah. Ashley, good to see you again. Great to be here. And we are wrapping up our Ruth study. Just one more shout out to the communications department. That graphic is really cool. It's really cool. It's a really pretty image. Alicia knocked it out of the park. Yeah. It's good stuff. Thumbs up. And the one for Lent is really good too. Yeah, I'm excited about Lent. Mm-hmm. I There's, too. And I'm even more excited about Easter. That's, but we don't talk about that yet. That's appropriate. No. That's fine. <laughs> I think most people are more excited for Easter <laughs> yeah. than Lent. But. I don't know. Meredith sometimes, you got to watch her. Hmm. She loves Lent. She does. She's weird. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. All right. There's probably some, I have follow-up questions, but I guess we can deal with that I mean, we all work stuff out in therapy. (laughs) Or not quite enough. Or not quite enough. (laughs) Meredith, this is our intervention for you. No. (laughs) So let's talk about your sermon. Yeah. Okay. So you start your sermon talking about uh, uh, TV shows or how you were... Not an early adopter with shows yeah, right, yes. besides the Marvel ones and Star yeah. Wars on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. And that Ted Lasso was your most recent one where you got on board pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty early, yeah. And then made up for lost time by watching it four or five times. <laughs> yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talked about uh, there's only been a couple of shows that you've watched from the very beginning. Yes. One being Grey's Anatomy. Ridiculous. This is not, it was not my idea. Uh, and this, listen, this is back when we were we took the Dallas Morning News, like uh-huh. uh, the, the paper. <laughs> yeah. And there was an article about Grays or something, and mm-hmm. Wendy's like, I want to give that a shot. <clears throat> and we watched the first couple, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and she used to give me a hard time about this because we also used to watch uh, Desperate Housewives. Mm-hmm. But I, oh. I, that one was clearly Whitney's jo- idea. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. then I would – I mean, but once we start watching, I'm interested then. So, you know, she couldn't watch it without me or whatever. She's like, I thought you didn't watch this show. I said, Mm -hmm. well, I watch it sitting next to you on the couch. It's not worth my choice. But, man, I mean, I knew you loved Whitney, but to stay. 19 seasons. 19 seasons. And I will say the first few seasons of Grey's Anatomy were very well done. Because I remember watching them when I was in college. They came out when I was in college. And I was like, this is such good. And then I have, you know, I dropped off. Pretty quickly after that. <laughs> so the narration's good, and in the early um, the early years, the the medicine very closely, like the medical case, is very closely connected to the plot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now it, it's just ridiculous. It's just like a it's soap ridiculous. opera, right? And here's why we're staying with it because we watched ER for a long time. Yeah, and then we stopped watching ER because it started to really stink. Yeah, and then we're like, ah, for sentimental sake, we should wrap up with the last season and we were totally lost everything was going on so <laughs> yes this is um it's silly okay and then uh this is us 
this other show you've watched from the very beginning. Yeah. Now, I have watched entire series, but it's yes. in Rhode Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've watched a little bit of This Is Us. I couldn't handle I and you mentioned how almost every episode you cry. I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. And that's how I never watched Parenthood because people are like, Oh, I just cry every episode. I'm like, I don't know if I have the emotion. No, tears are cathartic. They are, but oh, no. And so my top three are because yeah. I said it's my top three. Yeah. So in this order, I rank things. Yes. <laughs> I have noticed that. <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah. All right. So West Wing is number one. Mm-hmm. The president is from Notre Dame. He's our only president so okay. far. The fake one. The fake one. Okay. <laughs> the West Wing. <laughs> Second is This Is Us. I mean, I just I, I love this show. Okay. And then third is Parenthood. Hmm. I mean, Parenthood is so great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So shows that I've watched from the very beginning, Pilot, yes. Friends. Okay. Which I shouldn't have because I was in fourth grade when it came out. That is highly questionable, questionable parenting. Yeah. Again, third child, so <laughs> it's fine. Um. <laughs> Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Okay. We could do a whole podcast uh-huh. about my – He's like a Messiah figure, right? Superman is? Sure. Yeah. Or is he Moses? <clears throat> there's like a there's, – yeah. there's a connection between like yes. the author of those comic books. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I watched from like the very beginning. At least those two for sure. Uh, I didn't watch Parks and Rec from the very beginning hmm. or The Office, but pretty quickly after. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, Office is great. I've seen all those, too. Yeah. But, man, Grey's Anatomy. I just couldn't get over there. <laughs> I kind of stopped listening after your sermon after that. I was like, oh, gosh. No, just kidding. I kept listening. Well, you had the manuscript, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and then you talk about how the phase of, like, buying box DVD <laughs> sets. Did, that? did you already do that? Yeah. I mean, I do have the friend set. I still have it, uh-huh. even though I can watch it on HBO yeah. now. Um, but, yeah, those were a big thing, and now – I can't imagine moving. Like that is seriously like pop culture history at this Uh point. And you can't even get like sell one of them for five bucks at movie theater company. But yeah, I spent spent like $45 or so per season for friends. (laughs) It's it's just ludicrous. But you know, so much we didn't know. I mean, just think about how in my lifetime, the way we consume entertainment has changed so dramatically. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, with my kids, I, I, they don't even really know what a quote-unquote network is. No. Like, they don't know what that is. I actually kind of forgot about – in your sermon, you're like, if you missed it, you had to wait for the rerun in yeah. the summer. I'm like, I forgot about reruns in the summer yeah. where yes. you're like, oh, I got to catch that. Exactly. Oh, I got to remember yes. which week. <laughs> if you missed it, you just missed it. I totally forgot about it. And yeah. if you had to go to the bathroom – during the commercial, you had to time it <laughs> because mm-hmm. if you came back late, you just came back late and you had to ask everybody what happened and then everybody would shush you because they were trying to not get behind right. from where they were. It's just crazy that that's the way you start. Yeah. Most of my life, I remember some form of like TiVo or like some form of oh, yeah. closet. Right. I mean, maybe when I was a little kid, I think, like watching Beetlejuice, the animated series on Saturday morning. Okay. But like... I just remember when there was only one thing you could record at a time and we would get so pissed <laughs> off because my mom would record reruns of Little House on yeah, the yeah. Prairie. You couldn't stack them and in it, properly. And it would – and it would <laughs> – me and Carson would miss our shows after school. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Little House on the Prairie? Yeah. That's <laughs> how we're using our TiVo time? Yeah. Our precious – because you only had 40 hours, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah right? And the first units were 40, 40 hours. You get a 40 hours total. So if you had a – Football game they had to record. Uh, it, listen, 
<laughs> These are all first world problems for sure. Yeah. The, the, my my first awareness of the existence of something like TiVo, you know what it was? Have we talked about this already? Uh-uh. <laughs> it was the Janet Jackson incident at the Super Bowl. We oh. were a, we were I was the youth minister, and we were at a, uh, one of the parents' house was hosting the Super Bowl yeah. party. We watched it together all the time, and there was all this commotion from the other room. Yeah. So I walked in, and we were kind of I, for whatever reason I was not watching the halftime show at that moment, which is kind of weird. And the kids uh, were rewinding, Uh-oh. and I'm like, "What are y'all doing?" We're rewinding TV. And, so, and then, I, and then it, like, I buried the lead in my mind. I'm like, you can rewind TV? Like, how exactly does that work? Uh, missing the fact <laughs> that there was a very come PG, on. A very PG-13 moment. Clue and Chris. <laughs> come on now. Oh, man. It was after that we bought a TiVo. Oh, that's With fun. 40 hours of space man. for all our favorite shows. Living. Living the dream. <laughs> I just recorded Lois and Clark on a VHS every Sunday night so then I could watch it again. <laughs> Which you could record over. Which you could record over. Over and over again. But if anyone touched those tapes. (laughs) It was on. It was the wrath of Reagan. (laughs) So anyway. Uh, Okay. So we could talk about TV shows all day, I'm sure. But um, we we talked about Ruth 4 this week, which we skipped chapter 3. Yes. For obvious reasons. For obvious reasons, if you've um, read it. That it was a, if you've yes. read it, yes. it's a very Song of Solomon kind of. Yeah. It's a little racy. But is there anything that, like, really important that comes out of that or that shows um, – or you know, Naomi kind of pushes Ruth to go see Boaz. Is there <laughs> – yeah. I don't know. Is it – It's a little is uncomfortable. It, it's a little <laughs> uncomfortable. But is there anything that you feel like you can take away from it? Oh, I mean it's a – so it's not like – like if you read it to a child, they would not. They would not. No. I mean, they wouldn't get it. So, um, the bottom line is that Naomi says, "Hey, you know, I think Boaz might like you, so you, you should pursue that." Mm-hmm. Not because of herself, right? She does it because she thinks that Boaz would be a wonderful provider and husband for Ruth. Yeah. It's un. It's it's self. It's a selfless act. You know, I mean, it's another example of her. Uh, like her Hesed, like she cares mm-hmm. about Ruth. And so <clears throat> Ruth does, and um, they have this connection, right? I mean, they, they clearly, uh, Boaz is clearly attracted to Ruth. Yeah. I mean, um, I, mean I, I assume, like, you know, romantically. Yeah. Put it that way. And so um, they spend the night. And the threshing on the threshing floor. So, like, listen, <laughs> it sounds bad as I start getting into it. But they, he, in those days when you were when you were threshing wheat, that took place in the evening, and thievery was a problem all the time. And mm-hmm. so, Boaz, as the owner of the land, stayed stayed out there, yeah, on the thr- on the threshing floor, so that his barley wouldn't his crop wouldn't get stolen by somebody else. And so that's where he happens to be when Ruth, like, tries to, um, uh, I mean, uh, like, tries to make this connection with him mm-hmm. uh, when no one else is around. Like, you, you know, she, she doesn't want to hit on him when, when they're out harvesting right. or whatever, when she's supposed to be gleaning. And so uh, there, there's some innuendo there, but the bottom line is um, that this romantic connection happens and... Um, at the end, what we read at the end of that third chapter is that there's someone closer than Boaz to Naomi uh, in terms of next of kin mm-hmm. 
who really should be dealing with her legal matters. And so that's the kind of cliffhanger in chapter three before you start chapter four. Yeah. And I think you go on to say that, you know, Ruth really had no voice being in this patriarchal Mm -hmm. society. So Naomi and Ruth, you know, Naomi sending, encouraging Ruth is like, you know, we don't have a lot of say (laughs) in what happened. So it's almost like, here's a time to use your voice or like make your, you know, make yourself known rather than being quiet and not just... And so, yeah, and I was talking about um, specifically. She didn't have a she didn't have a voice in who was going to be right the next of kin, the official next of kin. Yeah, but she certainly had a voice in um, you know reaching out and trying to make this romantic connection with Boaz. Mm-hmm. And so um, she listen. Ruth is like a superhero in the faith, in my opinion. And uh, clearly, she was she had this some kind of charisma that Boaz saw. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about the difference in their age or anything like that. So um, anyway, but the bottom line is at the beginning of chapter four, the, the next of kin who was actually closest to Naomi, who was not named and Boaz have to decide who it is uh, that will um, like do like perform that legal function for the family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know one week, when we when I uh, interviewed Stephanie, she just talked about how the whole story of Ruth really is. You see, um, Ruth in Naomi, but Ruth like, you know, she makes a choice to go back. She she I mean she makes her own way, which was kind of unusual at this time that a woman kind of taking charge, and so that's what kind of sets Ruth apart um, by being kind of an active participant in her future mm-hmm. than than maybe other women at this time right. possibly. Um, okay. So let's talk about the next of kin or what is it? Go, Goel? Goel. Okay. It's G O apostrophe E L. Okay. So they have this conversation. Um, the two, the two men, the two men, yeah. which, okay. So a couple of questions you may not know the answer to. So 10 elders were at this. So was it common that you needed other witnesses so the, a couple things about this. So they, they're at the gate of the city right, or the gate of the town, mm-hmm. gate of Bethlehem, which is where business was conducted. Okay. And if you're going to do a legal transaction um, based on so, – to some extent the Mosaic law, to some extent local custom uh, would require, would determine how many people were required to be there okay. with you. So you had – in this case, it was 10 witnesses, but I'm not sure that that was required. I think okay. that's just maybe the number um, that were there. And so – uh, Boaz says, okay, so you're the next of kin. Naomi, she is selling. So she wants to sell this parcel of land that Elimelech had, mm-hmm. her uh, deceased Late husband. husband yeah. right? Presumably that was going to be her means of support. But she didn't have the legal right to conduct that transaction. So she, he, he, Boaz says, okay, you're the guy who's going to do it. So will you – your right as the next of kin is to purchase this land from Naomi and if if you do like you are you are kind of um, expanding your own land holdings Mm -hmm. but then there are certain rights that would be still attached to the descendants of Elimelech okay but it really was a pretty good deal for the next of kin yeah and next of kin 
is goel, which can also be translated as redeemer, and to redeem means to buy back. So it's okay. this idea that you have the right to purchase something. The guy says, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Why, why, why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. But then Boaz says this thing, which is actually not true. <laughs> he says, oh, if you are going to buy the land, you also uh, – uh, such a such a patriarchal phrase. Do you remember the phrase specifically? If you buy the land, you get the girl. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, <laughs> the girl's running in the deal. The day you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also acquiring Yay. Ruth the Moabite, <laughs> the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his on his inheritance. So the – like there's still some going to be some kind of family connection from Elimelech's mm-hmm. line, even though this new guy who's not named would own it. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. So he says, I cannot redeem it uh, for myself without damaging my own inheritance. So now if there's a person involved in this, then that person's going to have some claim on this land, even if she doesn't have legal rights. Okay. Um, there, it, You could dilute my own family's inheritance because now I've got this – there's an extra person in the mix. So that's why I mean – that's what he means by my inheritance because Ruth's like another mouth to feed and like that, all the th- – Precisely. Okay. Precisely. Well, I, just, I guess I read it and I was just thinking, okay – Normally obtaining land, and I guess so he would have to buy the land. He doesn't just get to inherit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I guess I took it as like, oh, getting more land, and which means like – So he pays for it, and he has the responsibility for Ruth. Yeah. I guess I just figured in my mind like reading like, oh, you inherit it, and then you get to um, have crops and stuff, so you're going to make money. So I figured like, oh, why would he turn it down? So, But the point here is – which is all – that's all true. Yeah. The the – the way that Boaz is going above and beyond what's required of him, like he's he's lying to the guy <laughs> because there's no – like Boaz is not Elimelech's brother. Mm-hmm. There was in Leverite marriage this expe- expectation that if the widow – that you marry the widow of your brother mm-hmm. so that your family line stays yeah. whole or whatever. Right. But that's not his relationship with okay. Elimelech. So um, he is – he is doing something so that this person would say no uh, so that he can claim the burden that he himself is putting on this other guy yeah. that does not legally ex- exist. Okay. So he's, he's under no obligation to marry her and he's under no obligation to be the, the, the next of kin to go well. Yeah. But he does both. And it's clearly because – it's clearly because of the way he feels about Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean we don't – whatever happens in chapter 3 – Whatever the details of that are, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's already uh, indicated in chapter two that he is really compelled by her story mm-hmm. and moved by her kindness, and so um, you know Boaz he's not he's a he's a, he is a main character and a hero of the story, but he's not the main heroine in the story. Yeah. Okay. So the original next of kin says no, and then Boaz said, "Let's say Boaz would have said no." Would it just keep going yeah, I think down? So. Just different. Yeah. Totally. Someone take me. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, can you imagine the vulnerability of that? Right. Because then you get some unscrupulous yahoo. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole point of the law being clear that you have to care for the widow first, or the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the stranger, but the widow is always listed first, is because that fate could be horrible if, mm-hmm. you're, if your legal rights are dependent upon, for their brokerage by a person who's unscrupulous or unkind or... Yeah. Unfaithful or whatever. Okay. Okay. 
you have to explain taking off a sandal to confirm a transaction, which is in the verse. I was like, I'm sorry, what? They take a sandal off? Yeah. You know, I, so I read it in the commentary when I was getting ready because this is not a custom that immediately comes to mind. Like I don't have those from committed yeah. to memory. And it's something about the way transactions were conducted or finalized or whatever okay. back in the day. But this uh, – it the commentary indicated it probably didn't ha- happen exactly like this. I mean, there's, so I don't, I don't know the details, okay. but it's readily available in commentaries. Great. <laughs> Next time I like buy a house or something, or when we buy a car, I'm going to put my sandal out and be like, let's make a deal. Yeah. I couldn't find the notary, but here's my, here's, here's my, my sneaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is one of those, like, this is one of those ended up on the cutting room floor. Like, yeah, obviously that's going to raise questions, but I just chose to kind of read on past that. Yeah. We only have 15 minutes. So you guys don't want to, you don't want the minutia of the sandal transaction. The sandal transaction. <laughs> I just, yeah. Was it, and you may not know this, is it mentioned in, well, obviously it's in some Levitical or you said law, but is it, I've never read about a sandal transaction anywhere else in the Bible. <laughs> you, you missed that part? I missed that part. Um, missed that class. <laughs> let's see. Well, I, I honestly would have to go. Away. Okay. I was just, I don't know. Actually, I just thought that just threw me by surprise. I'm like, a sandal? Okay. I'm sure I'm sure that's more cultural than right. theological. <laughs> yeah. So the sandal represents <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> uh Bo so Boaz says something in verse ten about the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred. Let's see. What is he saying in there? What a, I need to see what So verse question. ten. What is it? All right. All right, so I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malin, to be my wife to main to be my wife. That sounds like a about um, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance in order that the name of the dead man may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place to date or by witnesses. So the, the idea is that they're going to build a family okay, and that the, um, like the, that her, because the widow has a child after uh, the husband's death, mm-hmm. then in a sense that the, like that, it's not the name, you know, they don't, the naming was very different back then. Yeah. It's not like Dowd would be passed down to, you know, that's not, it's the different circumstance, but it's because Ruth is going to have a child, then like it's, uh, in a, in that sense, the memory of Malin would be continued. Okay. Not, they don't, he didn't have any children. Yeah. But it's, he, but his, his, uh, widow who otherwise would have had children with him mm-hmm. still gets to have children. Okay. Malin's not technically in the lineage of David, yeah. right? Because it's Boaz, but um, at least the 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 possibility that existed before he died is made um, comes to fruition. I guess. Okay. Is the way to think so about. yeah. So you mentioned so because of that, obviously carrying on like lineage and like <laughs> all that was very very important. So does that give a little bit of Understanding to some of the weird practices of, I mean, even just like, okay, if, if, if my husband were to die, then like his, bro- I'd have to marry his brother, uh-huh. <laughs> which I, that's a th- scary thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Well, and then, you know, the, cause in the, in the gospels, so like in the sermon, in the, I think it's, in, it's not the sermon on the Mount, but in, in the gospel, somebody asked him this question, like this widow, like, all seven brothers, like if all seven brothers died, then who gets to marry her? Like yeah. they, uh, 
so Jesus ends up kind of pointing out the absurdity of of rituals that are meant to function in one way. Yeah. And w- the way it's meant to function is that the widow is taken care of. Right. But not – yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of gives a little bit of under- – a little of understanding of like Abraham and Sarah all – you know, anytime they're taking like a maidservant because they were so – I mean, carrying on that family name and the lineage was just so important right, to that right. culture at the time. So right. it gives a little bit of understanding, not that we necessarily agree <laughs> with their ways about it, but it can give some understanding yeah, of why. For sure. Okay, verses 11 and 12, uh, I know you just mentioned there's a lot of names. Oh, gosh, yeah. Can you tell us who these people are? <sighs> so Rachel and Leah. That's his... okay. Yeah. I mean, that was back in our, I just finished the, <laughs> I just did the Bible in 50 in, in the fall where we, I did a fair amount with Rachel. I mean, with, I mean, these names are all yeah. Genesis. Um, and then I promptly dumped all that information so that I could prepare for Luke. <laughs> yeah. But Rachel and Leah, so, uh, Jacob, like just some other associates. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two, I mean, you want to get into it? So those are the two wives of, um, Jacob and he. Loved one of them mm-hmm. and had the other one foisted <laughs> upon him mm-hmm. by, um, what's the guy's name? Starts with the L, Laban. Um, but both of them together are like the mothers of the the 12 tribes, right? Isn't yeah. that the way that goes? Yeah. I think Rachel was a pretty one and Leah was the not so pretty one. I think that's how the story kind of reads. I do think that is how it goes. Oh, Don't they call that. her cow eyed or something? Which one? Was that a, is that a good yeah, thing or a bad thing? I think it was a bad thing. Okay, for Leah. <laughs> oh, that's what Scott always calls me. That's his pet name. <laughs> I acquire Reagan the cow-eyed. Just like long uh, eyelashes, but Kansas. fairly vacant. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Leah, I feel bad for Leah. We should do a whole sermon series on Leah. We should. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then may you produce children in... Uh, Ephrathah, that's a, just a place. Oh, just yeah. a place, Okay. And then the house of Perez. Um, isn't that I did Paris some... Hilton's friend? Yes. <laughs> it's the, the um, it's the uh, tabloid, right? Yeah. Yep. What's his name? Uh, Perez Hilton. Oh, Perez he's, Hilton. Yeah. Okay. Wait, is he married? Is he? No. Is he? I think he's, just, I think he's just a gossip column. Is he related yeah. to Paris Hilton? No, I don't think so. I think it's just a gossip. I was just a little You're too like young four. to care about Paris <laughs> Hilton. <laughs> um, Not my parents' speed. But what House of Perez, though, is what um, Tamar's child is in, right? I think Judah. I did some Googling this morning. I'm looking because I was like, oh, trying to help a brother out. Um, so it's, it's uh, just full disclosure. I, I never pay much attention to genealogies in the Bible. And it's um, it started when Roy Heller, who I mentioned in the sermon, uh-huh. um, we got, we got to a genealogy in Genesis, and he said, based on my studied theological opinion, it's safe to skip over pretty much every genealogy in the Bible, <laughs> <laughs> the, the exception being Jesus, because you know that's there's yeah. some interesting ones in there. But so I'm I've never really paid all yeah. attention. But I will say, so this Tamar, uh, it's a different Tamar. There's two Tamar. There's two right? Tamars. Yeah. But so this Tamar was the so she's a widow so she doesn't something come with um, hmm. she was a widow twice and then has there's like a is there is, there, is that the one with the crazy scene with Judah does she like yeah so sons of, so was a widow of Ur and Onan sons of Judah 
Jacob's fourth born son. Yeah. And there, with, with Tamar, there's a, the name of Tamar has some kind of crazy stories associated with it. But. Yes. So this is the Tamar in Genesis 38, just in case anyone was wondering. Um, okay. For reference, for future but reference. I just thought it was interesting that Tamar, being a widow herself, you know, interesting uh, relationship, I guess. Um, and then at the end, yeah, the descendants of Perez, Perez became the father. Yeah, I don't recognize any names besides Boaz, Obed, and Jesse, and of course David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think any of the rest. Oh, the very end, you mean? Eight, the, the stuff we didn't read, 18 to 22? Yeah, 18 through 20. Because <clears throat> I stopped at 17. Okay. Because I didn't want to read all those names. Plus, it didn't really. I mean, the point the point is that she that they're great grandparents of yeah. David. I would skip that because I wouldn't. I'd get too nervous to pronounce all those names one after another. <laughs> That's usually how I pick my scripture for when I preach. Hezron, Aminadab, Aminadab, I think I could pull those off. You probably could. So, without Ruth, how does this impact Jesus? Oh, Ruth is vitally important. Yeah, and I love the fact. I love, love, love the fact that this really. Um, kind and assertive um, foreigner mm-hmm. <laughs> takes a, a really tragic circumstance and ends up being in the in the lineage, like in the ancestry of of Jesus Himself. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and, and it was amazing enough for him to for her to have been in the lineage of David. Yes. You know, contextually, yeah, we obviously care a great deal about what Jesus' lineage is. But the, this author is making the case that the greatest king in Israel's history has not that far, not that many generations before, mm-hmm. a tie to foreigners. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of yeah, it's great. That's significant. All right, any last thoughts or comments on the book of Ruth? So I, I, I just love this book. I love the book. I love the fact that we have this powerful female character and uh, that her effect ripples, you know, into our Christian heritage as mm-hmm. well, uh, like in the New Testament. And I just, it's been, it's been fun. I, I think these kind of series are good because it, it allows us to stick with an idea for a few weeks mm-hmm. uh, and kind of unpack it in different ways. Yeah. And I've got, we got tons of good feedback on, on the series. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I mean, I didn't preach any of them, but it was like, I love, I love when we dive a little bit deeper it's such ruth is such a beloved book so for good reason yeah what did you think about the image that from the uh, church um, member? it was beautiful when, gorgeous yeah. i was like and you're like oh someone's son-in-law i'm like wait what yeah yeah so uh last week there's a, a man in, in the bible study tuesday night bible study just out of the blue he said hey if you want to use this you're welcome to my son-in-law is a photographer like a professional photographer and he created this image so it looked like it came from a like it's a stylized photograph. I don't yeah. know exactly what that art form is called. And he named it Ruth because it reminded me of the book of Ruth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's. Because yeah. it looks like a painting. It, yeah. But it's a photo. Yeah. It's, it's a photo that's been, right? Is, this, is that called something? The technical term is mixed media. Okay. Because he probably either digitally enhanced it or literally laid it over with an, with an art yeah. piece or that he created. And like what I loved about it, well, like how it fit really well is that all the other images we've done mm-hmm. are Ruth and Naomi, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but this was really this. Is, I felt like we needed to really wrap up with a focus on her, even though interestingly, the book ends with Naomi. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> you notice that, right? I mean, it's, yeah. Ruth has the baby, but it ends up being uh, the comfort of Naomi, this widow, this uh, so this now childless widow. Yeah. So the the book does something a little bit different than than I did because because of the focus with her connection to Jesus. But I just thought that was beautiful, and I really appreciated him just out of the blue sending it. <laughs> By the way, I have this amazing uh, picture you right. can use. Yes. I don't know if you want it. <laughs> yeah, and he was there yesterday at the eleven o'clock. Yes, was, yeah. so no, it was great. No, it was um, it was a good study, and I think it was a good launching pad into Lent now. So, which is a good segue. Yeah. So Lent starts Wednesday night. We have two. Well, it starts Wednesday at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> but we have two services Wednesday. 6 p.m. family service, Underwood Hall, and then 7 p.m. sanctuary, our traditional Ash Wednesday service. And then our um, sermon series is An Extraordinary Life. What's our subtitle? A Lenten Journey with Jesus. A Lenten Journey with Jesus. So we are staying in the book of Luke, which is the lectionary gospel, for all of Lent. And we're taking, we're going to start with the temptation in the wilderness, which is the traditional first Sunday of Lent. A week on his teachings, a week on his miracles, a week on his healings, kind of an overview of his ministry. So you get, of course, to Palm Sunday, which is also called Passion Sunday, looking ahead to Holy Week. And you're actually preaching the next two I am. services in the sanctuary. I am. Which is awesome. Yeah. And those will be your last two before maternity leave. Yeah. Before Killian Gillian gets yeah. here. We originally had me slotted early April, and then you made the right, wise choice to be like, you know, I don't know if I feel comfortable with you. I was like, probably a good choice. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I'll still be here, but just yeah, yeah. thought it was a yeah, little yeah. risky so the, to put me yeah, right. so close to my due date. So the plan is for you to be – because the baby's due. Like you you guys are planning to have the baby like the day after Easter. Is that right? Two days. Two so, days you know, I get Easter. one day of rest. Okay. So, so you get one day off. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, the church office is closed that day too. Right. So I don't have to like take it off. I just get it off. So it's great. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're front loading those. And yes. then, uh, so good. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Yeah. All right, friends. Thank you for spending another week with us. Another hour, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever this ends up being. Uh, it's always good to spend time with you in the middle of the week. And we'll be back next week with our new edition of off script. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this episode off script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.